Welcome to Civil Discourse, a podcast where participants are free to share their ideas, empathize with other perspectives, and who intend to advance to a better solution to fix a societal ill. We will focus on topics that are particularly complicated. In a time where information is from sources more opinionated than ever, our mission is to find solutions and goals to accelerate the nation's progress with cultural impunity. I'm your host, Todd Furness. Welcome to today's podcast. This day, on today, we're joined by uh, Bill Hennessy, the CEO and founder of Pratter, and he's going to tell you a little about that. Before we get to the content today, I always want to rem- remind people to uh, like, share, and subscribe if you like these videos. Uh, we strongly encourage you to do so. I think they're important things to have out in the public space and uh, would really appreciate your support. So with that, let's talk to Bill Hennessy. Bill, you're up in Pittsburgh today. Looks like a fantastic, a remarkably fantastic day behind you there. We uh, have sunny in 75 the last two days, and those will be the only two days for the next 365. You are <laughs> correct. Very good. Well, I want to talk to you about Pratter, but I also want to talk to you uh, about something that really was gripping to me, you know, as I was preparing for today's call and uh, podcast, I went out to your LinkedIn page and I clicked on the video and the video just kicked me in the shins. I got to tell you, I thought it was really powerful. So can you tell me a little about the origin of your interest in this topic and, you know, tell me a little about the video and how it got created, because I think this is a good tee up for the rest of the conversation we're going to have today. Whether we're employers or employees, we are consumers of health care. 80% of working America never meets its deductible, so we're paying for every single dollar of health care. Every employer is paying for health care and doesn't look at the medical bills before or after they're paid. That's a really bad thing to do. And so as an MD who also owns a physician billing company, and has a father who's a hospital executive of over 50 years, uh, I get this whole ecology, and quite frankly, I'm uh, disgusted at how people are being ripped off and decided we're going to create affordable access to care with medical cost transparency, as well as other savings platforms. So that's a noble ambition. How did you get started in this? And tell me about that video. Well, the I I got started this in 2014 when I just kept having uh, people pound me with the same question. Hey, Dr. Hennessy, I can't afford my deductible, but now I can't afford my premium. I used to be able to afford one or the other. Now it's neither. What do I do? And that's just hit me over the head. That's a business opportunity that needs a solution. And uh, so I created Pratter. Um, price matters. And uh, the, the video, the toughest part about the video was uh, emptying out a grocery store, a restaurant, and a car dealership to film it. That was the most difficult. But the words are very easy. I, I st- we, we did every one of those on either the first or second take. So it's pretty obvious when I'm sitting down at a beautiful Italian restaurant, you know, the lady sticks her uh, something in front of my face that says, uh, you're going to pay whatever we say, 
just sign here. And the obvious thing is you don't do this when you go to a restaurant. So why do you do this with your health care? So that's the bottom line. Known pricing creates competition. And with competition, the consumer wins every time with lower prices. We're getting rid of cronyism and putting in capitalism. That's fantastic. And uh, very similar to you know, some of the things I wrote about in my book, uh, The 60% Solution, Rethinking Healthcare, which very much is a strong advocate of the increased nature of consumerism in the marketplace. I think you're spot on there. And, and that's exactly what needs to happen in every example where in every industry where we've had active consumerism and freer markets, uh, odds are very good that prices go down. And there are countless examples of that. Um, so walk us through, if you would, because I think this is really important for everybody to understand, the three different codes and how people bill. Let's just start there. We're gonna we're gonna walk before we run. Let's just start there. The three billing, uh, the three different codes, and how uh, physician practices and, and other service providers bill. And then we'll talk about insurance and how they pay. Well, t- t- I just can't believe that you're starting with the most important part that nobody else wants to discuss your uniqueness and passion. I thank (laughs) you for. So there are three different billing codes systems. The DRG, Diagnostic Related Group, three digits. Revenue codes, four digits. CPT codes, current procedural terminology, five digits. Just as we have in the world of finance, When you get more digits, you get more specificity. So I only want to pay bills that have five-digit billing codes because I know exactly what I'm paying for. And I can manage my spend if I'm the CEO of a company because I get to see the very specific test names that are driving my costs. So which of the three do you think makes or generates the most revenue? The answer is the revenue codes. It's so brazen. Todd, they put it in the name. <laughs> so go, go ahead. <laughs> Keep going. Say, so how, well, well, how do the well, companies well, bill that accordingly? Well, the, you can have literally the same care item in the same network, let's say Blue Shield, in the same city. It has three different price tags. And the hospitals are the ones that use the revenue codes, not the doctors not the freestanding surgery centers or freestanding imaging centers, not lab corporate quest when it comes to blood work. It's the hospitals. If you want to know why healthcare costs go up in one word, hospitals. So they build with the revenue code and speak like politicians. Hey, Todd, you run a health plan third-party administrator. You have to pay us $5,000 for that revenue code 0300. And Todd says, I don't know what that means. That just says something happened in the clinical lab. Which of a thousand blood tests? And you're down there in Texas and Memorial Herman says, just give us our $5,000. And you're smart enough to say, you're only speaking in a half sentence. We will pay you with the carrier discount. But finish the sentence after you give us the five digit billing code, because 
we only pay itemized bills. And in fact, that's our ERISA 1974 federal law requires us to manage the spend and we can only manage it if it's itemized. So as soon as you give us the five digit billing code, we will pay you the carrier discount. So in a 100,000 life group, for example, it's $2,500 for a CT scan with a revenue code. Same group, same network. If it had a five-digit CPT code instead of a four-digit revenue code, it was $800. They're gamifying the system and ripping us all off. So you, you wouldn't suggest then that there's a strong lobby with the American Hospital Association, would you? There's a, they only spend $20 million a year. In the world of Prada, we let money talk. Todd, if you choose to say 20 million across 500 politicians each year in DC is strong or influential, that's your interpretation. <laughs> so let's go back a step if we can. And we, you talked about the revenue codes and you talked about the billing codes. Remind us about the third code. That's the DRG, Diagnostic Related Group. It's ideally suited for inpatient hospitalization. Uh, it's Medicare deciding we're gonna be lumpers, not splitters. So they have one for pneumonia, okay? So Todd gets admitted for pneumonia. You could have been in there for three days, five days or 10 days. Uh, they just figured out, well, the average is, I'm making up numbers, five days for which you're gonna get paid uh, uh, 3000 a day or $15,000. So then they just come up with, listen, across a whole book of business in an entire year in a hospital, the pneumonias, it comes out in the wash. We're just going to pay every one of them $15,000. And the hospitals say, wait a second, you're trying to do things rationally and fair, and we can't financially rape and pillage America. We prefer to unbundle illegally revenue codes. So we have a revenue code for the antibiotic. We have one for uh, room and board. Uh, we, we, we have one for uh, the, 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 the extra pulmonary something or other. There's ones. And now all of a sudden, 15,000 becomes 40,000. So uh, this, this is very intentional. Now, they like to window dress it and call it revenue enhancement software. At Pratter, uh, we, we call that uh, uh, illegal and unethical and serving yourself instead of your community. So just so the audience knows, do you know the origin of the three different kinds of codes? They're, aren't they linked to the ICDs? Well, oh, yes. So uh, the one that, that most of us should get, if we're of working age, it's health care, not health insurance. Care is a commodity. That's the outpatient routine care, blood work, imaging, surgery center care, doctor visits. They should all have five-digit CPT codes. The CPT coding system is owned by the American Medical Association, and there's criteria for each code uh, so that it, it, it's crystal clear uh, what the fee-for-service is. Um, the revenue codes were developed by Medicare close to the year 2000, where it was to determine where the care was occurring. So if you got a blood test, did it occur in the orthopedic unit? 
or in the intensive care unit or in the emergency room. It's a location of care. So, you know, 0300 just means something blood work happened. But we don't know what blood work. 0480, something cardiology happened. But eventually the hospitals and insurance companies figured, hey, this is a way that, uh, yeah, we'll start letting you get your, 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 uh, your money for care because it's important that we both be able to increase our profit each year. So we're going to let you raise rates and then we're going to raise our rates. And they use the revenue codes. But Medicare did it just as to where do we get the care? And then Medicare also did the DRG, Diagnostic Related Group, to say, you know, we shouldn't be paying all kinds of different prices for the same pneumonia admission. We should just lump it all together and come up one fair payment and 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 force efficiencies of the hospital to make sure that everybody's at least uh, working uh, together at a national average. And the the price disparities can be enormous, even in the same local market uh, for the same service. One thousand percent pricing variation for the same care item in the same city, in the same network, correct? So on January 1st, something happened of consequence from a legal perspective. We created and implemented something called the Transparency Act. And I can only imagine that your experience of the Transparency Act and our expectation of the Transparency Act might be a little bit different. Uh, The Transparency Act required, amongst other things, that service providers post their prices on the web and importantly, in machine-readable format, which meant that web scrapers and uh, others had to be able to go on and find your information and put it into a database so you could do cost comparisons and the like. So that was the legal requirement implemented on January 1 of this year. Uh, And it was put in place by the prior administration passed at law under law. Now, tell me what you've experienced with the Transparency Act. About 5% of 5,700 hospitals comply uh, because the fine of $300 a day or $109,000 a year makes it well worth conducting business illegally because it has a higher ROI than doing it legally. Okay, I just want to to hit the pause button. I want to make sure that everybody understood what you just said. The fine for violating the Transparency Act is a slap on the wrist called $300 a day with a maximum amount of $109,000 a year. Correct. And the, the average hospital bed makes about a million bucks. So even with a community hospital, 300 beds, they typically are pulling in 300 million a year in revenue. So it's almost 109,000 bucks, you know? So, uh, one, would, one would call it a rounding error. Exactly. Uh, now, I, I, to be fair, there are some hospitals that have been under siege recently. I mean, the last couple of years, particularly, uh, particularly r- rural hospitals who've lost a lot of support. We've seen a lot of consolidation in the industry because... Some hospitals are doing well and some are not. We've seen uh, a lot of consolidation, particularly in urban markets. Uh, And so where there's consolidation that's already incurred and you've got larger hospitals, it's even less of a concern for those hospitals. And for those hospitals 
that have not been acquired and who are struggling in the field, it's an even greater concern. And it may be such that it's it's such a concern that they're weighing on the one hand, how do I handle my pricing issues? And on the other hand, how do I find the IT staff to go make this a, a reality and, and actually do and comply with the law? Well, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more sarcastic and cynical with you. I'm going to use my own three hospital monopoly system in my county of 400,000 Westmoreland County, Excella Health. So intentionally, they have left out expensive care items like a cardiac catheterization, a hip or knee replacement. But along the major thoroughway, Route 30, uh, on the highway, they have billboards about what great jobs they do on hip and knee replacements. But wink, wink, somehow they forgot to put that on their charge master for the price transparency. Now, guess what they don't forget to do? Todd gets a knee replacement. They send you a bill. So we're supposed to believe that uh, they don't know how to put together a fee-for-service schedule and publish it, but at the same time, they're sophisticated enough to send you a bill the day you're discharged from the hospital. Blarkey. And, and it goes even further because if some of those uh, involved in the surgery were not in network and they try and send you a bill for an out-of-network charge where there's no privity of contract and there's no obligation or they've, they've unilaterally negotiated with that provider to, to come in and do the job, you had nothing to do with that. And you're just caught, caught in the crosshairs. And all of a sudden you're looking at a, a, a very, very large bill straight in the face. And you're impressed with the notion that you may not have any recourse, right? Uh, that's what a lot of people think, but a free big money tip, free tip, people listen up. If the hospital is in network, but the doctor isn't, you just got free care from that doctor because you didn't sign a contract with the doctor when they, the anesthesiologist put you asleep or that ER doctor. There's no separate contract, no contract, no fee for service arrangement. You just got free care. Congratulations. So let's talk about uh, one of the other social, big uh, legal implications of all this stuff. Um, the ICD comes from another organization that's uh, not inside the United States. The ICD stands for the International Classification of Diseases, and that database is generated by none other than the World Health Organization. And so it was never designed to be a billing system. It was designed to see what was going around the world and, and if there was a way for nations to band together to fight common interests and, or common problems. And all of a sudden it's become a billing system. And yet it seems very, very easy to not only manipulate, but also to exploit. What's the, is there a behind the scenes issue there? Yeah, follow the money, right? When you want to make logic in the business world, follow the money. So ICD-9 diagnosis codes, there may be about 12,000 of them. And now there's 72,000 in the ICD-10. So you just uh, took uh, a crazy uh, multiple uh, of codes that you need to match. You need to match a diagnosis code to a procedure code, whether that procedure is an office visit or a blood test. But you, now there's so many more mismatches, 12,000 versus 72,000. Now they don't always match. 
so claims are denied. There's a four-word definition of an insurance company. Collect, premium, deny, payment. With 72,000 diagnosis codes, it permits for, oh, Todd, you submitted the wrong code. We're denying your claim. They can hold on to their billions of dollars longer. So as I, as I reflect on this, it occurs to me that we've got roughly 17 or so percent of our economy tied up in healthcare. And we have a billing system and a, based on codes that were developed by nobody in the United States. And somebody in the United States decided that that was the, the way all billing in the United States was going to be determined. And yet I haven't heard anything about a single law being passed or a single uh, elected official being involved, which is one thing. And that would be okay if everything was controlled by, by the marketplace. I mean, if we had a free market, then we could explore this and the market would, would kind of come to its own conclusion, say this does make sense or it doesn't make sense and here's why. So we, have no, we don't really have a free market in healthcare because we've got all these interlopers in the form of uh, government, uh, what I call government regulation and commercial regulation. So government regulation is actually the government issuing laws and rules and regulations on how you can do and what you can do to whom. So, for example, licensing in one state versus another is, in fact, a government regulation. It doesn't make any sense anymore, given that we're no longer we, we should no longer believe that biology changes when you cross state lines. Uh, the second issue is commercial regulation, where it says, yeah, I don't care what you do, but I'm not paying you unless you do this. And so that that commercial re relationship says you've got to follow my protocols or else you're not going to get paid. And that is not only in terms of how you present a bill, but also how you conduct your affairs inside the examination room or inside the OR or inside the hospital. So it seems to me we have kind of the, the worst of both worlds as, the, as opposed to the best of either. Am I mistaken there? No, the billing practices are indeed hidden. While they are hidden, they become unethical and also illegal. That's it. Now, what the, a key solution that our company brings is any self-insured organization, employer, union, or government sector has full legal access to copies of the very medical bills they paid. And now we can put it through our software process to identify those billing practices and find out what's wrong and address it. But you can't manage what you can't measure. We're exposing that. We just did one yesterday. We got, got, got the bills. And on the very first line, even before we, we analyzed it, just looked, $120,000 charge for venipuncture, a blood draw, should be 10 bucks. They paid $82,611 for a $10 blood draw. I'm sorry. I want you. To, I just want you to say that once again. It's happening all day. They paid eighty-two thousand dollars for yes. a ten-dollar blood draw. Yes, and I I could show you this with two employers in two different states. It's not isolated. I have another publicly traded company that's paying a thousand dollars 
per vein you puncture on average. They've never looked at their bills until till Pratter. I'm, this I'm, is for I'm, the Transparency Act, that law. I want you to tell one word. What does it do for employers? Nothing, because they're still paying bills blindly. But we can lift those blinders right here and now. The key is, is they have access to their data. If they want us to make it look at second grade easy, we can expose a whole hell of a lot of bad to do a whole hell of a lot of good. So I'm really disappointed in myself because I thought the most egregious foul I had heard was the one about the dialysis syringe that you can buy for $5 and that insurance companies were getting billed $6,000 for and they were paying. That's but true a, also. But a blood draw of $10 and being paid $82,000 is, is astonishing. I mean, that, that's just unbelievable. So let me ask you this. Um, how, how can we get more of this? How can we drive traffic your way? I, I, and I'm saying that not only because I like you, Bill Hennessy, but uh, this to me, you're providing, you're not providing just a commercial service in my view. You've got a mission. And if you're successful, there's a nationwide good that occurs in that, and this is where you and I share a common mission, which is one of the things I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make a healthcare more affordable and, and, and delivered more ubiquitously, meaning more available everywhere. If you are successful, that is going to be the necessary conclusion. It's going to be more affordable and it's going to be more available across the United States. So what, what prevents somebody from coming to you and saying, hey, Bill, I need your help? What, why, why can't, what can I do to help you be successful? And we'll flash your, your details here on the bottom of the screen. I'll ask that uh, the production team go ahead and do that at this point. Uh, but what we need you to be successful. The nation needs you to be successful. It's not a question of a business person being successful or a community to be successful. I think the nation needs you to be successful and we need more of you out there. Why aren't there more? Uh, everybody else truly has signed the carrier business associate agreements and non-disclosure agreements. And it basically uh, dilutes any value uh, that uh, any other company can offer. Uh, chokes you out of the market. Pratter refuses to sign any carrier agreements. We want to show all data to anybody at any time to the extent it, we have recreated the Medicare and carrier fee-for-service schedule for 17,000 care items. We now know what is nationally accepted for 99.9% .9 of the time price strike for every care item. We could literally hand that fee schedule to any self-insured employer to start paying their own bills. You say, why isn't Pratter everywhere already? If nobody else signed, uh, for, for again, everybody, everybody else signed the BAAs and NDAs, we didn't. Uh, that, that's a big deal. Um, then you say, well, why doesn't everybody have Pratter? Again, follow the money. There are larger brokers publicly traded that get paid handsome commissions by the four large health insurance companies. 
And most HR directors that those brokers talk to, health insurance is just a checkbox. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do our broker thing and, and you just hit the checkbox and we'll take you to a few Pittsburgh Steeler games and let's leave it alone. So we have to work to get into employers through the CFO or uh, other avenues or work with unions that don't have brokers. And we're finding ways to penetrate uh, the market, but certainly any company that wants Spratter, we will create health plan level solutions. Give us your bills. We'll show you a report of what's driving your costs and what to do about it like you have never seen before. Cost transparencies for the C-suite of the employer. And then separately, just real brief, the employee. Look, we talked about some complexities of three billing codes and what's a CPT and ICD. Employees don't need that. So we have a Google marker, Google map. These are just the better price places to go. There's a thousand percent pricing variation. Let's just keep you in the bottom third, give you some choice, but you're just going to pay a fair price. And so we have that simple steerage solution also. Well, and that matters, especially if you've got a situation where the vast majority of people are never meeting their deductible. Uh, that means you're paying out of your own pocket and you might as well pay the least amount possible. Your goal is not to reach the deductible. Your goal is to never hit it. And so that's a thing. And the other thing that we ought to be doing, I think, just to further have the cash available to use solutions like Pratter is to improve the nature and quality of an, and flexibility of health savings accounts and flexible spending accounts so that we have the ability to pay those, those amounts. And, uh, and then we, you know, I, I'm a bigger fan of health savings accounts because it rolls over and it's the property of the employee. Uh, into perpetuity. So I think that's a, a, a terrific model that fits nicely with your solution as well. Um, you know, one of the things that I would also ca call out, uh, my podcast is typically seen by a large uh, portion of the C-suite itself. In other words, people who are C-suite members uh, are more likely to see this podcast than others who aren't uh, for a whole bunch of reasons. And one of the things that surprised me, and I, this is a comment directly to those C-suite members, is I probably had an informal conversation with two dozen CEOs now. And I asked them, how do they get the benefits that they give their employees? And the first thing they say, wrongly, in most cases, is I get it from one of the BUCAs, right? Blue Cross Blue Shield, United Signa Retina. And I said, no, you really don't do that. You, you get it from your company who gets it from a broker who gets it from a carrier who establishes the price in most of the states uh, by virtue of a negotiation that occurs with the state department of insurance where you did not participate in that negotiation. And it's it, the thing that surprises me is how few CEOs understand how all this stuff works. And it's been around for 80 years, you know, it started under, under FDR and we still uh, wouldn't call this, in any way, uh, common knowledge. So I really want to kind of close off by saying, you know, first of all, thank you for coming on the podcast, but also more importantly, thank you for the mission and the passion you're applying to this. I am a huge fan of yours. Uh, and, and I really, uh, I applaud what you're doing and I hope everybody uh, rings you up right away and, and figures out how they can take advantage of what you're doing in a way that benefits them uh, as well. So thank you so much, Bill. I appreciate it. 
Hey, you're welcome. If we got to do everything we know how to do, you know, we're going to save two million for every thousand over the course of the year. You have a ten thousand life case. We got twenty million on the table to talk about to your bottom line. If that's worth it, hopefully we get a few phone calls. I just appreciate your support and you bleeding a little Pratt or blue and orange. I know if I did a venue puncture for you for only ten dollars for you, I know you'd bleed Pratt or blue and orange. So. Happy Pratter Day and happy Father's Day to you, Todd. You too, Bill. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for watching this week's episode of Civil Discourse. To learn more about today's topic or our guest, visit www.the60percentsolution.com or www.tfip.group.